Today's episode of Ask Science Mike is going to talk about sexual assault and talk about consent and some of the issues we're facing in our society right now on those topics. If you have been a victim of sexual assault or harassment, this episode may trigger uh, feelings of fear, anxiety, or trauma. So understand that you don't have to listen, that you can pause the episode at any point, and that it's okay to skip this one completely if it makes you uncomfortable. And uh, based on that opening, uh, no catchy theme song this week, folks, um, I want to talk very seriously and very honestly with all of you. And this is not easy for me. Um, Brett Kavanaugh is being nominated to the highest court in the land. He's a Supreme Court nominee uh, in process of seeking confirmation with the Senate. And as I say that, I'm curious about what happens in your body and in your the emotional centers of your intelligence. How do you feel? What reaction do you have? Do you start thinking, oh boy, here goes liberal Mike talking about liberal politics? Do you think, oh, these Republicans, er, I'm so tired of this? Because um, that's not where I want to go or what I'm interested in talking about. Honestly, I, I just can't raise the energy for a partisan take on this right now. And the response to a man accused by not one, not two, but three women so far of sexual assault has been sadly and predictably partisan. Uh, And so today we are not having a partisan discussion today. We are not seeking to tear down Republicans or lift up Democrats. I want to talk today about sexual assault and the reality of it and how often it happens and what that does to people and the fact that there's a Supreme Court nominee who's been accused of sexual assault raises an opportunity to have an important conversation. So women have come forward And one thing I just want to tell you is based on credible research, something like 98% of women who report being victims of sexual assault or being sexual assault survivors are telling the truth. 98%. And yet so often the first response from men and women on both sides of the political divide in the United States is, well, what if the accuser is lying? But statistically, we understand that that is extraordinarily rare. Now, of course, in legal proceedings, people should be innocent until proven guilty. Of course, that's true. But our default orientation towards women who come forward, and not just women, people who come forward telling stories of sexual harassment or sexual assault should not be what if they're lying because the evidence doesn't bear that out. 
And we should be united on this. I don't understand how the way in which we respond to sexual assault victims becomes a partisan issue. I know there are a lot of gracious, warm, kind, and compassionate Republicans listening to this program. Just as there are equally gracious, kind, open-hearted Democrats and independents and people who issue political labels. So I'd ask you to examine if, if you identify as a Republican and your automatic response to reports of sexual assault is to say, what if the accuser is lying? I would ask you to examine that feeling, and I'm going to explain why in a few moments. But I just want to say that no political stakes justify excusing or minimizing accusations of sexual assault. None. None. We saw it in the election of Donald Trump minimizing reports of sexual harassment and assault. We're seeing it now with Brett Kavanaugh. We saw it uh, with Bill Clinton um, back in the day. This is not a uniquely... Right now, it seems like the Democrats are on the side of those who accuse people of sexual assault, but um, it's certainly a bipartisan phenomenon. Men in power have for a long time sought to exploit that power and gain access to other people's bodies with questionable consent. And it's not just the instance in question, this one Supreme Court seat, but because the culture that it creates that feminists sometimes call rape culture, a culture where it's okay if you have power to, to coerce or force sexual access to another person's body. Because if we sweep these accusations under the rug and hurry into a Supreme Court nomination, what does that tell women about their role in society? What did electing Donald Trump amid such accusations tell women about their role in society? What does it tell them when they experience sexual assault? And what action should they take? Should they come forward or should they be quiet? Well, if women who come forward are ignored and even face professional, serious professional consequences, then by electing Donald Trump, by writing Bill Clinton a pass, by confirming Brett Kavanaugh, we tell women their experiences, their stories, and their body autonomy does not matter. And I believe that women's control over their bodies does matter. And not just women, all people. Here's the question I hear the most. This time, every time. Why didn't she come forward sooner? And that is a very difficult question for me to hear and to process. Even reading it now, my eyes uh, fill with tears. and I feel a heaviness in my chest. Because why didn't she come forward is echoed by a whisper in my own mind. Why haven't I?
don't worry. Today's podcast will not be an exploration of my personal experience and experiences with sexual assault because I'm not ready to talk about those experiences. And I may never be. And I say this as a person who is open-hearted for a living. But I want to tell you that the first time I was sexually assaulted, I was over six feet tall. That I was physically power enough, powerful enough to resist almost any assailant. But I didn't. Instead, I just said no in words. And I begged. And I cried. And it still happened. And I haven't come forward because I'm ashamed. I feel weak. I know sometimes my parents listen to this program. This would be big news to them. Thankfully, my wife never listens to this program because this would be big news to her. But I'm not ready to talk about this even with with my parents or my spouse because I'm so ashamed and because I don't want to deal with what could become a public dispute over timelines and events. I don't want to talk about it because I don't even know if the people, and there were more than one, who assaulted me even believe that they assaulted me even though I said no and even though I cried because ultimately I didn't physically resist and I was large and I was physically powerful. I'm not telling you this because I want sympathy. I'm actually quite strong. I'm telling you this because you listen to this podcast. And that means that you listen to me and you trust me and you believe me. Many of you have been listening to me talk for for several years now. And we have quite a relationship together. And I've worked hard to be honest and trustworthy. To be vulnerable and available. And because of that, evangelical Christians and atheists listen to this program. Because of that, Republicans and Democrats listen to this program. Because of that, men and women and trans folk and people of all kinds of ethnicities and racial compositions listen to this program. You trust me. And I believe that you'll believe me. And I want you to believe me. So you will believe other people who come forward. I'm telling you I've experienced sexual assault more than once but more than one perpetrator decades ago. And I have never come forward.
but I probably would if one of those people were rising to positions of power and influence over others. And I definitely would if they were nominated for president or a justice on the Supreme Court or a Senate seat because the calculus of staying quiet would change. I'd be afraid of what they could do with that power and what might happen to other people. I don't believe that people come forward to talk about sexual assault because they want attention. The attention you receive is not validating. It doesn't bring you life. It opens a hole in your soul that you've been trying to fill and keep closed your whole life. So I imagine, much like the women coming forward now, I have I've kept track of and kept tabs on the people in my life who accessed my body sexually without my consent because I haven't known what else to do. And when you don't come forward five minutes later and you don't come forward an hour later or the next day or the next week, you start to feel trapped because why would you come forward now if you didn't come forward immediately? I actually care about the people who assaulted me. I worry about their reputations. I worry about the impact on their lives if I were to come forward. Now why does this happen? Half of sexual assaults involve alcohol, just half. And research tells us that antisocial behavior and negative views about women are much better predictors for men who will commit sexual assault than alcohol consumption, which itself is also a predictor. People who drink more tend to be more likely to commit sexual assault. And this is a huge, unbelievably huge problem. I've got a piece in the Huffington Post here, which I'll drop in the show notes this week. And it has 30 statistics on sexual assault. I would like to share them with you. Every 98 seconds, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted. Every day, more than 570 people experience sexual violence in this country. It is completely prevalent in our culture. Violent rape scenes occur on our TV shows and our movies. We have dress codes that reinforce rape rape culture by telling people that how they present their body creates actions in someone else. How ridiculous is that? Friends, if a person is completely naked, it doesn't invite any action on your part. 
17,700,000 is the estimated number of women who've been the victims of rape since 1998. 99% of perpetrators of sexual violence are estimated to walk free. 13% of female rape survivors attempt suicide. 64% of trans people will experience sexual assault in their lifetimes. 64% will experience sexual assault. Don't talk to me about bathrooms unless you want an earful. Women the ages of 16 to 19 are four times more likely than the general population to be victims of of rape, attempted rape, or sexual assault. Female college students ages 18 to 24 are three times more likely than women in the general population to experience sexual violence. One in six American women have survived an attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. Trans people of color are 1.8 times more likely to experience sexual violence than the general population. 3% of men will be raped in their lifetime. Ninety percent of adult rape victims are women. Three hundred twenty-one thousand five hundred is the average number of rape and sexual assault victims per year in the U.S. Eighty thousand six hundred—that's the estimated number of inmates who experience sexual violence in prison or jail every year. Sixty percent of the sexual violence experienced by inmates are perpetrated by jail or prison staff. People with disabilities are twice as likely to be victims of sexual assault or rape than persons without a disability. Two hundred forty-one six hundred thousand is the estimated lifetime income that a sexual but violent survivor who was abused as an adolescent loses. $400 to $1,500 is the amount of money it costs to get a rape kit tested. Many states force survivors to pay for the processing of their own rape kit. People ages 12 to 34 are the most likely to be sexually assaulted. 21% of trans or gender non-conforming students are sexually assaulted while attending college. 46% of bisexual women report being raped in their lifetime. 18,900 Military service people claim to experience unwanted sexual contact in 2014. One in seven members 
of the military services have experienced an assault at the hands of someone in their chain of command. Two million seven hundred eighty thousand is the estimated number of men who've experienced an attempted or completed rape since 1998. <laughs> 5,900 is the average number of Native Americans 12 years and older who report being sexually assaulted each year. Seven in ten rapes are committed by someone the victim knows. 93% of child sexual abuse perpetrators know their victim. Depending on the study, anywhere from 2 to 10% of rape reports are false. Which means the overwhelming majority are true. Sexual assault is common to the point of being pervasive. This is not about politics. This is not about which of the two parties gets to hold the steering wheel for now. We the people must send a clear and unequivocated message to every political leader that sexual assault will not be tolerated under any circumstances. Period. Full stop. No questions. No qualifiers. We the people do not permit sexual assault. And culturally, we have to move away from coercion and force as regular factors in sexual activity. I actually don't think no means no is enough. I think only yes means yes. I think it's important that we prioritize the autonomy of other people over our desires. And it may be true that people think less clearly when they're aroused or when they're under the influence of alcohol or other substances, and that still never excuses forcing or coercing your body onto or into another person's body ever. It is never okay. Sexual desire is a powerful basic drive. I get it. But we have to, as individuals and a society, condition ourselves to be prepared to stop any time your partner becomes uncomfortable for any reason, just as they must also do for you. Someone who is tipsy and falling asleep cannot offer consent. Someone who is uncomfortable and acquiescing cannot offer consent. Only a full, enthusiastic, 
verbal, and continuous consent is sufficient. That's it. That's the bar. And you might push back and say, oh, but it's not sexy to ask if everything's okay. I don't care. I don't care what is sexy or feels good moment to moment. It is worth risking potential embarrassment to avoid traumatizing people through sexual assault. I'm so over the conversation of, oh, but this is so complicated. Shut up. Shut your mouth. There's nothing too complicated about protecting the sanctity and autonomy of human beings. If you can't get your shit together, don't try to have sex with people. Do I sound angry? Because I am angry. Every single report of sexual violence in the world is one too many. Every single one. Whether it's amidst civil war or Supreme Court nomination, it is too much. Start believing and supporting victims of sexual assault. Start demanding institutional and organizational accountability for people who perpetuate sexual assault, be that governments, corporations, nonprofits, churches, whatever it is, there can be no exception, there can be no safe quarter in our society for people who take advantage of other people's bodies. There can be no safe place for sexual assault or sexual violence. Because every time we allow it, every time we say, but what if they're lying? Every time we say, why didn't they come forward sooner? We lay another brick and a giant wall caging sexual assault victims from the rest of the world. We lay another brick in a wall separating from women, trans people, women of color, trans people of color from their humanity and their full and equal treatment, not only under the law, but in our culture and our society. And I, for one, am done laying bricks in the form of passive acceptance or plausible deniability. This world is what we make it. 
And if you take anything from this episode today, I hope you take that you can be a part of building a world where sexual violence doesn't happen. Or you can be a part of perpetuating a world where it's common and accepted.